everyone. How you doing? I am Sergio from the Dodgeball Podcast, and here with me I have... Quentin, and I play for the South African Green Mambas, the Gauteng uh, regional team, and I own my own club in Meyerton, the Meyerton Pitbulls. And that's a youth club, right? Yeah, we start off at age seven right up until 60. My dad plays with us sometimes. Oh, wow. He's, yeah, he's, I think, 64. He's turning 65 on the 30th. And uh, he's actually joining one of my teams this weekend to play a social event. Oh, nice. Um, yeah. Well, <laughs> by the time this episode airs, uh, it'll be past uh, your dad's birthday. So um, let's give him a shout out. What's his name? Jan. Jan? Yeah, that's it. That's All it. Right. Cool. Well, happy birthday, Jan. Um, <laughs> keep on going, man. Keep on going. So uh, I brought Quentin on to not only talk about his story, um, as you can tell, he's from South Africa, but we'll also talk about the Tri-Club Clash. I believe it's the event that took place, what, two weeks ago? Uh, no, it took place Saturday. Saturday oh, it took place. Okay. So it took place fairly recently. <laughs> So um, we'll talk about that and what it means for um, the dodgeball culture out there as a whole. Um, but before we get into all that, let's get some preliminaries out of the way for Quentin. So Quentin, um, what's your jersey number and what's the story behind it? So my number is number three. And the funny story behind it is I didn't actually went into picking my number going into oh, I want number three. I went there asking, what's the lowest available number? And they said, number three is open. And I was like, all right, one of my favorite players, uh, where's number three? Uh, it's my mom's birthday. I'm taking it. Who's one of your favorite uh, players in what sport? Uh, it's cricket, and it's called Jock Cullis. Okay. I, I don't know too much about cricket at all. <laughs> Um, but I, I was just curious. So it kind of just fell into that. Like you wanted the lowest possible number, your favorite athlete, where's that number and your mom's birthday is on that date. Yeah. So it was kind of a coincidence, kind of lucky and I could all just band out and it's, it's been my number all, ever since <laughs> got a tattooed on me. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. Okay. All right. So we hit the trifecta, your favorite athlete. Lowest possible number, your mom's birthday. So couldn't get any yeah. better, right? That's, so, that's, that's the triple. <laughs> <laughs> we hit the triple right there, the treble. Yeah. Um, so let's talk about what, what you, when did you start playing dodgeball and what was your first impression of it? So always loved the movie. And uh, actually, we, we played rugby every year at the social gathering that's called the Twane Tens. And we did the year before we played rugby and the year after that, I was like very keen to go play rugby again. But the only problem was a week before my wedding was the tournament. And my wife just decided there's no way that I'm going to go play rugby, break a leg or an arm and walk down the aisle with a broken arm. So I was like, well, there's no way I'm missing this tournament. Let's go play dodgeball. And uh, we ended up playing, doing pretty well. Met Nick there. Met Viande, two of the my most well. If I had to say my favorite players at dodgeball, that's that's pretty much them. And uh, well, the people I look up to, Vian and Nick, when it comes to dodgeball, that's that's my my role models. 
So, yeah, and then we played a little bit with them and I saw what they could do and I was like, and I went straight up to Nick and I asked him, and I like, hey, I want to be playing for South Africa. What do I need to do? And then it all ended up with me starting my own club, trying to get people to grow the sport in my area so we have people that can compete every week, see how strong we can get. Can we get to the level of a South African team? And uh, six months later, I was playing for South Africa. Nice. Um, so by the time you started playing, the national team was already established. Yes, yes. So yeah. we we were the first group of Gauteng players, me and three other people, my wife included. We were the first few people to join up with the Cape Town group and also be included into that small Cape Town group that was starting to build the sport there by them, doing us a huge favor by already having so much information. When we stepped into that, system that that group of players uh, our family there it, they already had so much wisdom that they just passed on to us it was such a such a great experience playing with those guys knowing what they know when going to egypt going to usa playing in the invitational world cup and just taking that and learning every step from that it was it was so much i, I don't know even how to explain it but they were on a different level stepping into that first nationals we had no chance but then we went, got selected for the SA team, went into their system. They showed us what we needed to know, showed us the calls, put us on the right path. And oh, it wasn't it wasn't too long. And we were stepping up, really showing what we can do. Did you say your wife also plays? Yes, yes. My wife also plays. She also, in 2019, she was part of the women's team when I was part of the men's team. And then in 2022, when we went to AFCON, she was also part of the mixed team. Me and she played together in the mixed team, which was one of the nicest parts of uh, my dodgeball career, playing with my wife, playing next to my wife, and then uh, also playing with the SA men's team again. And then at the World Cup, playing again with the mixed team. Playing with my wife in the World Cup, that was a dream come true. Oh, nice. Um, so that, that, actually, that actually grabbed my attention because I know of a few national players who are married you know, in different countries, so it's good yeah. to hear that, that in, in South Africa, it actually happened as well. Um, so now this kind of, now this kind of, um, how do I say this? This kind of adds to the question that I want to ask before we get into the national team. What was it about the sport that hooked you the first time that you played and what kept you coming back? So the funny story is this, the reason why I wanted to play this game is, uh, as I mentioned, Vian, he's got a pretty strong arm. The first time we played against each other was like a little social game at, at that tournament. I got hit in the face pretty hard and I was like, all right, I want to do this. This is what I want to do. <laughs> I got a, got a complete knockout face shot and I was like, yeah, I want to play this game. If he can hit me in the face and I can take it, this is definitely a game I want to play. <laughs> so nor normally when people start dodgeball and I re and I had an interview with a guest April a couple weeks ago, you know, you, you, you inevitably you're going to get hit in the face, you know, yeah. that's going to deter you or that's going to push you going forward. I got hit in the face and I'm pushing forward. Obviously that you seem to have the same kind of attitude. Yeah. I, I just love it, man. I, I love the passion, the intensity. You saw Dana, the way she goes crazy. <laughs> uh, 
just we we just we just live for this. This is like when it started for me. It's like, what can I do? How can I do this? I was living in a two bedroom apartment with my wife, and uh, I was like, I want to play more dodgeball. And uh, we got the opportunity to move into a house, and I, we went house searching, and I looked at places, and every time it was like, no, I'm not taking this place. And she's like, why? Why? It's so nice. It's it's, it's a beautiful place. Why don't you want it? And I'm like, I can't build a dodgeball court in this place. <laughs> and uh, as soon as soon as soon as I bought bought my house, saw the space, it's like we're putting up a dodgeball court in this place. We're getting dodgeball. We're gonna start growing it. And uh, at some stages, we were up to thirty kids playing dodgeball on a Tuesday night in the back of my yard, just doing what we love. I, you know. <laughs> I've never, I think I've had plenty, I've had more than a hundred guests on. I've never heard of someone buying a home and having dodgeball as their criteria, as far as building it in their backyard. Some people will look at areas or, you know, if it's a, if it's a married couple, they'll look at potential schools for potential children as their primary criteria. For you, it seemed to be like, can I build a dodgeball court in the backyard? So. <laughs> You can see me on the screen, right? I can see you, yes. I mean, this is an audio podcast, but I'll explain it to the people. <laughs> All right. So I'm going to show you quickly. So it's going to get dark right now. So when you look at the back there, you can't see much. So I'll just describe it for the people at home. It looked like you have like two, like a cage set up in your backyard. There yeah, we go. if you look there. That is beautiful. He legit, and I just want to explain this to the people at home. He legit made essentially a dodgeball Thunderdome in his backyard. Oh, that is a perfect setup. That is the perfect setup. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> yeah. So we had to do that. My dad was a big help in getting lights for us, setting it up. And uh, yeah, uh, again, like I said, my dad's pretty old and he still loves it and he still plays it. But again, he's a lot of there's a lot of work that goes into this, and uh, he's a big part of it. So always, always great to have him there. That's 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 awesome. So pretty much dodgeball is a family affair for you. I'm lucky enough to have my sister's two kids play for me as well. They're part of my youth league. <laughs> um, yeah, so it's 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 a family sport. I'm trying to grow. So I was lucky enough. So my sister's kids. I have to write a sport uh, or choose who their role models is in sport. And here I am thinking, well, I'm going to get some good shout outs here. And uh, just to find out that both my sister's kids said that my wife is their role model. Because <laughs> <laughs> she got to play dodgeball for South Africa. You, you, both of you did. Yeah, but uh, she's the role model. She's the role model. <laughs> Can't argue that. Can't argue that. That's that's cool. Um, at least the kids have a positive uh, role model to look up to. <laughs> always, always. For sure. So, ah, that, that that just makes me happy. So your dad plays, your wife plays, your nieces and nephews play. You have a yeah. Thunderdome in the backyard that you have like 30 kids a week at. L let's talk about building the grassroots level, so to speak. So how long did it take you to build that? And and I'm not talking about the, the Thunderdome, I'm talking about the community as a whole from that end. And did you have any setbacks along the way that you had to overcome? 
uh, yeah, we had a lot of setbacks, but uh, to start off with how we started, this is my wife gave school at a private school and they started playing dodgeball on Fridays. And the problem was with COVID, they weren't allowed to play anymore. So we decided to like, let's get the kids to play dodgeball by my house. We do it safely. Everybody's here. It's contained. It's dodgeball. It's not like that's so much physical contact. So she actually initiated this by getting us some kids to play for us. And then by word of mouth, it just started growing and growing and growing. And like at, at one stage we had like, break it down into age groups saying, all right, we can do the younger kids first and then the older kids. And uh, yeah, then we had some setbacks, but that's because people move and people carry on and move on with their lives. But it was not that it was bad setbacks. It was just like some of our better players had to move on. They or not move on, but they moved to a different province. So we lost some great players and with great players, you lose a little bit of your people and uh, yeah, much of the older people always moving on and moving, going to different schools, times not always being too great. But then again, as you lose players, you gain new players. So I have to say our, our little community here, Mayatin, that we have with the dodgeball, is, it's a, such, a, such a nice community that we do have that once we start seeing the numbers go down a bit there's always people going like no i know somebody who wants to play we're gonna have and then every second week we see new people showing up wanting to play wanting to learn the game my wife told me about a guy who wanted to start playing this weekend he said no he he loves dodgeball because he heard my wife was gone for two weeks and he asked where were you and she said she was playing dodgeball and he's like where can i play dodgeball i want to start playing dodgeball so we always have setbacks, but with the setbacks comes some great opportunities. We get new players to play for us, and uh, we just learn from what happens. So it's it's not that bad. The setbacks are it's not nice, but it's not that bad because we always got people playing. And sometimes the smaller groups are easier to work with. It's easier to teach people stuff when it's smaller groups. So mm -hmm. we do have nice, it's pretty people, and then it's hard to have one court and play 30 people. So some nights we only have 10 or six people, but it's a nice intimate session where we work with six people and we get so much information into them and out of them. It's actually, you can't, you can't complain. You, okay. you just need to know how to work with situation. So like I say, 30 people is nice to have. You have a few teams, you have a little small tournament on the night. Everybody plays and everybody gets excited. And then like the smaller groups, you just teach them more. Nice. So I have, I have a couple, I have a question. When did this start? What year did this start? Um, so I started playing in 2018. Okay. The, the club started off, off that November, November 2018. Then we had a small break because because of rugby in South Africa, it's a big sport. So we had a lot of people playing for us. And then rugby season started and we lost a lot of people. So we took a little small break. And then in 2019, 2020, we started up again, got a few kids, and then it just started growing and started taking off from there. So from 2018, now we're in almost the end of 2023. That's five years that you've had that program in your backyard. Yeah, we've been playing since the 8th of September. 
or the 1st of September 2018. So it's been five years, almost five years in a month. Oh, wow. On the day. Nice. <laughs> nice five-year anniversary yeah. there. Yes, yes. And on the five-year anniversary, we got to play some dodgeball against Saudi Arabia. So that was nice. <laughs> we'll definitely talk about that. But I kind of want to get back to you and your wife making the national team. Now, normally when I ask this question, it's always one person making the national team. But you have a unique experience, at least the first I've ever come across, that you and your wife played on the national team. So what did it feel like when you guys got that call up together? So it's actually funny because I got we both got called up, but my wife got called up in the reserve squad. Then we got called down to go to a boot camp in Cape Town. But at the boot camp, me and her both got called up to the squad. So that was quite oh, that was emotional for me to see her get called up because she was she was part of the team, she was part of the squad, but she wasn't in the team per se. And then right. to see her to get like they recognizing the work that she put in and seeing that she can't play, getting called up into the squad. That was actually, that was quite emotional for me and I was so happy. Explain it for the people at home. You get that jersey, your name on it, number on it, says Green Mambas on it. You put it on. How empowering does that feel for you? Oh, it's, it's a feeling, eh? <laughs> it's uh, your... Especially like a, a person like me, I'm a, I'm a very sporty person. I love to do sport. I played rugby as a kid, cricket, golf. I played tennis. I did everything. If I could get my feet to a ball, I'd kick it. I, I just love sport. I played indoor soccer. There's nothing I haven't tried or done. So for me, it was like trying to... Every little boy in South Africa, when they grow up, they want to play rugby. They want to play for the Springboks. They want to wear that jersey. Or they want to go out and play cricket for for the national team. And not everybody gets that opportunity because it's normally you have to have a little bit of size on your side and a little bit of talent and be in the right schools. So when I got that opportunity and they told me, you have the opportunity to play for them. Oh, man, that alone was such a empowering time for me. So I, I worked so hard to get there. And... uh at the end of the day, just getting there, being at that boot camp, playing with the other guys, not even having the opportunity yet to put on the shirt. That was such a such an amazing feeling, just seeing how the South African setup works. And then getting to play that first game, going onto the court, getting those jumps in, getting the shots in, making those catches. Man, it was yeah, it was a feeling. It was that's <laughs> everything you hope for. And then, so, and then going to the World Cup, that that was a dream come true. Because I always just wanted to go to the World Cup. That was that was the only thing I had in my mind. I want to be at a World Cup, watching these guys going to FIFA World Cups, rugby World Cups, kicker World Cups. And then when I got that opportunity, to say, hey, you get to go to a World Cup. There was nothing stopping me. <laughs> How did your dad react when you when you oh, got he was, the national team? He was proud. <laughs> <laughs> We got we got the the Facebook message showing the post that we both made the team. Send it to my mum and dad, and uh, it wasn't two minutes, and they gave me the call. Congratulations! <laughs> I'm sure there was a lot of happy cheering and probably happy tears on their end to see their son make it to the to that squad. 
Oh yeah, he was the first one in the car, ready to go to Cape Town to go watch me play. Um, for the people at home who aren't from South Africa, how far are you from Cape Town? Uh, we're about 1,300 kilometers. That's about a two-hour flight. So it's not far. Two-hour flight? Two-hour flight. So we're pretty widespread, mm. uh, Cape Town and Johannesburg. So it's Johannesburg. it's far, it's far. So we have to train on train on our own, and they train on their own. And then, like you heard, they said they got Pity down here who does a lot of hard work for us. We got our captains who do a lot of hard work. John, Justin, they do so much. They they put in so much effort. Another shout out to them. They also they were amazing captains this weekend, and they helped us a lot. They, so I tried a little bit last year. I was the coach, coaching the Gauteng team. But as you know, you can't coach and play. It's it's a difficult thing to do. Having having the perspective of a player, try and coach. So we got in pity. He helped us out a lot. Amazingly helped us out a lot. Put in some new perspective there. Gave me time to control my own destiny, work on my own game. That also helped a lot for me nice. to improve, to, to get to the stages where I am today sometimes you just need to have one focus and uh yeah that was that was fun so yeah <laughs> what what was your first world cup was it uh New York no 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 I only started playing in 2018 the world cup was in 2017 so I was following everything so I was I I, I knew about it I knew that we how we did and we how we Oh, I knew about all the other teams who competed in the official World Cup. And mm. I know what the standings was. I know I knew a little bit. I didn't know everything about dodgeball, but I well, like I said, I follow sports very closely. So I was I was pretty <laughs> up to date knowing what was going on there. And I was like, This 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 can work. I can I can be a part of this. We can this can grow and we, we should be able to do something with this. So there's a few people as well in Cape Town now that the main goal is now to get this to the Olympics. That's our that's our goal now. Is twenty twenty eight is a little bit of a stretch. I just turned thirty four on Monday, so me being thirty eight, trying to go to Olympics, that's a little bit difficult. But uh, def definitely, definitely, we'll be looking to be in the coaching side of things. Definitely want to go to the Olympics. The World Cup's a dream, but uh, the Olympics is the next step. It definitely is. So, yeah, I, I guess I kind of got the timing off because I remember New York being in 2018. But then again, you know, I'm 36, so maybe the years kind of blend together. Um, <laughs> I'm not that far off, not that far <laughs> off. But uh, so what was what was your first event as a national team member? Would it have been an AFCON? Yeah, we played AFCON against Egypt. And so we were stepping into well, the danger zone, as it said, because you, you, you walk in there and you think, oh, right, you can play dodgeball. That first few minutes, yeah, you, you, you get shown that uh, it's not all fun and games down there. The game's pretty fast. You have to set yourself pretty quickly. And uh, as you know, the Egyptians at the moment are in our federation at the moment, the world champions. So we kind of knew what we were getting when we went to the World Cup as well. But that, that first 2019 tournament, Going into that, seeing how good they actually are, how composed they are, how aggressive they are, how fast they are in the way that they shift between their plays and just 
how you have to step up another three levels just to be competitive. So yeah, that was that was pretty intense. But again, I think I felt I, I found my feet there. Didn't play as well as I wanted to, but uh, stepping into 2022, 2023, I definitely, I felt, I felt more composed stepping into the court. And like even on the weekend when we did play, normally I have a lot of nerves playing. But again, now the last since the World Cup and with the World Cup as well, when I walked onto the court, I just felt, I felt at home. I, I didn't feel under pressure. I didn't feel phased or. I don't want to sound cocky, but I felt I felt I can keep up with the pace now. I mean, that's definitely not cocky. If anything, you're speaking from experience. I mean, the nerves that you might have had the first couple times obviously aren't the case now. So that doesn't sound cocky. I don't think anyone would have mis mistaken that for cockiness at all. Um, so I want to ask you, on that national team, obviously, you have your, you know, friends and, you know, your tight-knit bonds. Who was that player or players that you felt helped bring you up when you made the national team? Uh, first of all, Nico Bell. Such a inspiration to all of us. Um, starting off the game in South Africa and just giving us the opportunity to play for South Africa. The work he's done, that's, that's pretty much one of the big things for us. So like if it wasn't for him, none of us would be playing dodgeball. Then secondly, like I said, big inspiration for me, Vian. Uh, got people there that didn't play at, uh, at the tournament this weekend, but people that was there, James, a lot of him, just that, uh, how can I say, the backing you get from him, He's such a nice guy. He's your typical nice guy who always wants to help everyone. He actually was a, helped us out this weekend by being, a, being our coach for the Gauteng sign, helping us against the enemy, his old team. <laughs> and uh, then, then we got just guys who's just out there and different and so crazy when they step on the field. A guy like Remo, who can do these crazy jumps. You see how the Malaysians jump. They jump on the floor, dive and stuff. This guy just goes aerial and you can't see him go. You can't think he can go jump that high, but he jumps that high and then he goes lateral and uh, it's just crazy. And you have guys like Kyle who just, the passion they show when they play, they throw the ball in different ways. You never expect, you can't You can't rest on these guys. They it's just, and it's it's so fun playing with these guys. And then we had our captain that was captain Gauteng side, John. He's, well, he's also insanely good. He's accurate, speed, and just the way he plays, the way he throws his body around. <laughs> yeah, and it's it's crazy to think that these guys are, like, how they can perform. And uh, yeah, it's 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 fun to play with these guys. It sounds like it. It sounds like to me. You're talking from a perspective of someone who's a teammate, a friend, and in some ways, even a fan of these athletes. Oh, definitely. Definitely. <laughs> you, can't, you can't not be a fan of them. The way they play, the, the people they are. Like, we go down to Cape Town maybe once a year to go play with these guys or train with these guys. And every time you step into that zone or space with these guys it's like immediate welcome and uh, you always feel like family when you're there 
That's what I noticed with um, some of the players from South Africa that I've interviewed in the past, Nicholas, Dana. You guys have a very tight-knit community, despite how wide or how far apart you guys are. Um, what would you say is a major uh, what would you say is a major factor in that bond that you guys share? Because on the one hand, it's great to have that bond. You guys are representing your country. But on the other, I'm sure the challenge, the biggest challenge in keeping that bond is the fact that you guys are two, three, four hours apart. The fact that when we go there or when they come here, they're so welcoming. welcoming. They know that they're on a different level than us. Or back then, they were much better than us. They've been playing for longer. And it's not like when you walk up there, it's like, wait a second. We're the dodgeball players. You're just here to sit down and be entertained. It's like they try and get you into the game. They make you feel a part of the game. That's that's the important thing. They always let you know that you are a valuable piece of the puzzle. It's like you are there for a reason. You're not just there to fill the seat. You're actually playing dodgeball to play for your country and to help your country win. So they're very welcoming, very inclusive, even if you're not as experienced. They bring you along welcoming, and they're not above doing that. No, not at all. That's the thing that you might not be as good as a certain guy, but you have a different skill set. You play a different type of game. You see a game differently. So they will always try to incorporate that into their game and see, well, this guy is not probably going to throw the ball that hard, but he's going to take two catches and bring in two hard-throwing players right back into a game. So we are going to give him that 15 minutes in a half to try and get us back into a game or just help us win a game stay in a game and with all these guys they like always willing to help you to make you go that step a little bit further make you learn trying to pull you into the game always make you part of the game you know you're not the first person that said that but <laughs> it, it's actually great to hear um doesn't matter how many times i hear it, it's always great to hear that about people i've interviewed in the past people who i consider very close even though i'm in Hollywood and there in South Africa. Like I can I can see that in them and I can tell that they're very, not only just experienced, but almost more so willing to help the, the team come up versus their own stats. And that's something about them that I, I wholeheartedly respect. And it, it's great to hear that. <laughs> it's great to hear that. Um, so let's talk about the the tri-club clash that took place this past weekend. How long ago or how long in advance did you know about this event? And how excited were you for it? Uh, super excited for it. Because we went down there thinking we can beat them. <laughs> so we really, this time, went down there with a better attitude towards the game thinking, all right, we can be competitive, which we was. And we pushed them. We really pushed them this time. And I, I, we were so proud of our players. So proud. We played so well. Our mixed team played very well. Our men's actually were very, very unlucky not to make the semifinals. But the way we stood up and pushed them, and actually times where we actually felt, all right, we got them under pressure, we can actually do this. But then again, experience does count. 
And you can see where their experience did help them, where they actually went back to their structures, just played their normal dodgeball and beat us by playing dodgeball. So it just shows you how inexperience really can be the death of progress. So we, we were very proud of what we did and accomplished because we had a lot of players that was new, never set foot in a, 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 in a court game where you actually the balls can go out. We, they normally play an action type of dodgeball where it's more inside, like a Thunderdome type of vibe. And this was the first time for them playing with ball pickers or shaggers and stuff. So they weren't aware of this. They didn't really know about this or they didn't know about it. But this is the first time they were stepping into that environment, seeing these guys for the first time, seeing how they play. Like some of us did go to the World Cup with these guys and we know a little bit more about them. I've been playing with them for the last five years, so I know what to expect. But the way they stepped up their game, yeah, you have to work harder. And... uh they worked the hardest for sure um was this streamed or recorded anywhere so we can see it yeah definitely uh big thanks to benny he's our our tech guy down there in cape town he plays as well for for the uh, for the for the vps side and for south africa he did all the streaming put it up on youtube for us you can just go search it on the tri club clash and uh, yeah, man, a big shout out to him for doing this for us because there was a lot of people whose family couldn't go down there. Like, um, and uh, for them, it was, this was a big thing for them to see us play. And a lot of people's first time playing. So they also get to go and watch it again. And it's good for, for us to go look at it and go study the tape, <laughs> actually see what we did wrong. <laughs> for sure. Uh, the reason I ask is because for anyone who knows me, I like to watch dodgeball regardless of where it's from. And I kind of feel like, uh, and the reason I, I have you on is because this event kind of went under the radar for me and I want to experience it um, in, in some way, you know, whether it's through this or through the video. So I'll definitely look it up on YouTube after we're done. Um, what caught my attention was that Saudi Arabia sent a couple clubs there. What was that like yes. playing against them, essentially an unfamiliar opponent? And See, that were... yeah, yeah. Go ahead. so that so, so that was that was the fun part for all these unex well inexperienced guys. So when we do play South Africa, you do get a more structured game, and you know what you're kind of getting from them. So when we played Vietnam, we knew kind of what to expect and what was coming our way. We just needed to see how we can deflect it and play our own game against it. But then again, we had to play Saudi where you had no clue what these guys were bringing. So you had to revert to looking at these guys in a few short minutes. How are they playing? How are you can counter what they're throwing at you? And then go into a second half and be like, all right, this is what we need to do to beat these guys. So for the new guys playing, this was, I think this was the biggest experience builder for them was actually not knowing what you were going to get and then having to compete against it. Nice. So was this your first time playing against them? No, no, we did play against them in the World Cup. But then again, I have to say a big, big, big step out by the Saudi Arabians. Eh? We we gave them a little bit of a punishment in the World Cup, beating them 24-2. And uh, the team they brought this time and the uh, the coaches that they used to get them to the level – 
it wasn't a pushover. We had to go down to the fifth game to beat them three <laughs> games to two. So a massive step up from them. Very well done to them as well. And such a nice team to play against. Such a friendly bunch of people, fun bunch of guys to play with. And oh, it was it was enjoyable. They was they were it was fun hosting them and it was fun to play and oh well to play with them and against them. <laughs> no, yeah. Um, yeah, the the reason I asked is because as far as I know, I don't know too many players, if any players from Saudi Arabia, so I'm very interested in their program and the fact that they stepped up from the last time that you played them speaks a lot about their progress, their investment in the game, and the passion the players have behind it for them to make that kind of step up. Yeah. Um, so let, let's talk about, let's say, personal highlights. So any cool plays that you, that you pulled off that we could see on YouTube from the uh, from the event? So there was actually a, two catches I made right after each other. What happened was I blocked, or I caught one ball, blocked the other one, and then were able to catch it. The problem was it was right on the whistle, so the second catch didn't count. And I think if I made the second catch, I might have just won the game for us. Mm. So it was a cool play, but I felt a little bit un hard done there by the whistle. So, yeah. And then there was a few games where it came down to the wire. I was three on one, brought it down to a one on one, and then stupid mistakes let me down. <laughs> where I could have just went crazy with a nice little turnaround. And then there was a few games where I actually I felt myself personally, I stepped it up a little bit getting to play three or four games in a row, not going out, winning four games in a row for the team. Felt good about that. And then, uh, yeah, just, again, getting picked for the national team, that was a nice moment for me. Not not knowing, not really sure where I was in the views of the coaches this time, but it's always nice getting picked and knowing that you are a value to the team or you do add value to the team. For sure. I mean, if you're picked for a national team, you have some kind of value at some, you know, relative to the rest of the field. So whether you're a starter or on the bench, there is some value you bring to that team. So what would you say for the wider audience at home, this event means to dodgeball in South Africa or just in the sport as a whole? Would this would you see this event growing as far as other African countries coming to you know, to South Africa to play this event? Do you see this event going in different parts of Africa? Um, what, what, do you, what do you project this, uh, the impact of this event means to the sport as a whole? So, so this event, I would say rather than Africa, for South Africa, if we can grow this and get more provinces to join us, that would be probably the first step we want to take. Probably get a, another... Uh, provincial team in here, like probably get a Northwest team, get some students to to represent their province, maybe build it up to a four-team event where we have Northwest, maybe Gauteng, Western Cape, and probably a Durban team, like where we can just have like more provinces, try and bring all the provinces together and see what we can have so we can have a larger pool to, to grab players out of. And then from the African perspective, the AFCON that we do host every two years, that that that's actually our main goal is to get the whole of Africa playing dodgeball. 
we do see all these Instagram posts with Zambia playing. We know Egypt's got a big presence in Africa for playing dodgeball. There is some Ivory Coast teams, Ghana, Nigeria. They're all playing the cloth or they're playing in, in, in the association or in the federation. If we can get these teams also to come down or go there to Egypt. So we had now in the last few years, we had three Afghans and only two teams showed up where it's only Af the only South African team and the Egypt team that shows up to this tournament and it's the only teams competing and with all that it is a good experience for all the players who play in it but there's no growth and you don't get to experience other teams that's what made the world cup so nice for us as the south african team where we actually got to play teams like japan the us um malaysia and hong kong and all these teams and saudi arabia even and well, there's a few teams I'm missing, I'm sure of it. But yeah, all these sorry. teams that we played, you, you got to see different methods of dodgeball and how they run their plays or how they experience it, their fans, how they experience it. So if we can get that just for Africa to get a 10-team African tournament, that would be amazing for, for dodgeball just in – well, not even just in Africa, but worldwide. Because imagine – Having 10 teams compete, getting into a World Cup, making only two spots available for African teams, that's not going to be easy to get to a World Cup, and that's going to mean a lot for teams actually to get to the World Cup then. So that's actually what you want, to grow the game in the continent to actually grow the game locally everywhere. So every team gets there, and they have to work for their spot in the World Cup. That would be amazing if we can get that. I'm sure in time we will. Um, well, I noticed that uh, you have a USA jersey on. Um, who did you swap with? Uh, I, I met this guy down there in the World Cup, Mr. Preston Jordan. Was lucky enough to be able to swap with him. So when I went down to the World Cup, I had a good plan, set myself that I got my shirts ready, and I started planning before the time. Even before the first game, I already had this shirt. <laughs> so so you you kind of went the backwards approach normally when you play when you when you play a team you swap but before you even played you already had a swap yeah I, I, we were standing in line to go down for the national anthems and they were standing in front of us and i was like hey my wife's uh, um, surname is actually jordan would you like to trade and he was like yeah sure and uh Lucky enough, yeah, I, I got the shirt. <laughs> oh, so that that was the criteria, just because it was her surname. Yeah. So that was the easiest way to get it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, it can't get any easier than that. They're right in front of you. That's your wife's surname, and the person was, and I know the person. They're they're actually really cool. Uh, was kind enough to just do it out of the blue. That's pretty solid. Um. So let, let's talk about um, any rituals. And do you have any dodgeball uh, ri pregame rituals that you have before a game or for a tournament? I actually do not have any rituals, but I, I, what I do to what I what I what I'll try and do before the game is just trying to get mentally focused because I'm so passionate. <laughs> I, I do start or do tend to bubble over, be too aggressive or 
too hasty and make bad decisions at the start of the game and then have to like coast my way back into it. And normally that gets you pulled back onto the bench. So <laughs> recently I've been trying to get myself mentally right in the game for the first few games just to see how the game goes and then play it more passionate, go full out and just play dodgeball. So you kind of just have to center yourself before a game and then just... <laughs> yeah, I have to center myself. I'm, like I said, I don't get nerves, but I do get nervous before the game where I do feel like I try to overthink things. Like normally I would like have teams where you do feel you're a little bit of a better player and then you feel like you have to like try and do everything to win the game. And then if then you forget about how dodgeball is a team sport where you have to let the other guys help you win the game. And with the Gauteng team we have now, it's that's that's so much easier for me for me to sit back and just have or try and have my teams back instead of me trying to carry a team. With the guys we have now, Justin, John and Vitzer and Jason and oh we got Philip, we got Liam, all these new guys playing with us, m- making the team so so we could our cohesiveness is so good and the way we work together and Dimitri, he unfortunately couldn't play with us this weekend and Doug, he also came late but he got to play with us a little bit in the morning. All these guys, they, they take so much pressure off you by being as good as they are and you can just, just sit back and relax a bit, hold on to the ball for a little bit longer. That just makes the game easier and then you don't have to be that aggressive. For sure. Um, do you have any pregame uh, music you like to listen to? Any particular song that gets you amped up or a playlist you made? I did have a playlist, but my Spotify didn't work this weekend and then I got uh, no music to listen to. So that was a, that was not fun. But uh, yeah, <laughs> there was music before we played. So we were always dancing around, jiving to the music there. So that helped a bit, got everybody amped up. What's in your but normally I'm not a guy who likes to ah uh, I'm a I'm a big Fallout Boy fan. <laughs> Blink one eighty two. <laughs> nice. <laughs> and I've got some unfortunately I've got some Kanye West there. Black skinhead, that always gets me going. <laughs> I love it. You know what I will say, um yeah, I love it. <laughs> I love um what my favorite Kanye song, huh? Diamonds, that, that's the one song I can listen to from Kanye before a game that gets me going. Yeah, Diamonds. that's good. <laughs> I love that one, um, especially the instrumental, because when that song came out, um, I graduated high school two years after and yeah. I had an old music teacher who, if he listened to a song, he can orchestrate it for the band. And he did like a a rendition like an instrumental rendition using our, our high school band um with that instrumental and i thought it was beautiful so anytime i hear diamonds i think of the instrumental my musical teacher or music teacher used to do um so let's talk about what your legacy in the sport what would you like to leave behind so You've been playing for five years. You still have plenty of time left. You still have plenty of game left. You have a Thunderdome in the backyard. How would you like to be remembered once you 
play your final game? I think, yeah, play my final game. It's hard to think about because do you really want to play your final game? <laughs> no. <laughs> so I, I wouldn't say it's my final game. I think if I want to leave a legacy, it would be hopefully being part of the team that goes to the Olympics. Mm -hmm. If it's in a coaching capaci capacity, player capacity, and then probably the, the kids I coach to see them one day put on the SA jersey for their national teams. And uh, like I, I was lucky enough at last year's AFCON to coach an under-16 South Africa team that all came from Meyerton, my club, the Pitbulls. So that was, that was, seeing that was one of the biggest moments of my life, coaching a South African team. Then being part of the team at the World Cup and also being part in a, not saying I, I was a coach, but being able to help out in a coaching way where I could stand in the box and help the guys out, see what I can see, help them out. Even if I'm not playing, still be their eyes and ears and try and help them out. Getting that experience in a coaching way. And then again, just trying to be part of the Olympics and see if we can <laughs> even win it. <laughs> that would be a great legacy to leave. Being part of that first team to win the Olympics, or win an Olympic dodgeball, or first just to bring back a medal in the Olympics. How do you think you're going to feel once you get to that stage and you see one of your uh, youth club members playing on the national team? How do you think you're going to feel when you see that happen? So last year, one of the girls that I coach was able to play for the under-21 girls team. And they actually went on to beat Egypt in the AFCON. So they were the first South African team to win an AFCON trophy. Oh, wow. And just seeing that oh, brought tears to my eyes. I was, I was crying. <laughs> <laughs> I would imagine that that would create that kind of reaction because you saw the growth of that player and you know the strength of Egypt and their program. And you have that national pride in all that coming together, encompassing in that moment. Or the under 20, you said under 21s, right? Yeah, under 21 ladies. Under 21 ladies essentially pull an upset and get a medal. I'm sure you were, you're crying your eyes out in happy tears yeah. for not only your national pride, but the fact that you helped develop that player. Yeah. And the fact that she was only 15 years old, that was, I think that was the biggest thing <laughs> to see her perform in an under 21 team. Wow. Um, I mean, safe to say, I think your biggest impact is not just your attitude, but what you provided for the youth out there. I think I, I admire what you're doing at the grassroots level. Uh, I wish you nothing but success and growth. And I hope that, obviously, I hope your final game isn't anytime soon. But if it is, I know you're going to do great things on the coaching side. I know you're going to go do great things for the youth side. And I, I will say this, what Nicholas did for the country, I think you're going to do that for the grassroots level. I can definitely see in five, maybe 10 years time, a lot of their, a lot of the kids you're going to play, you know, that you have there are going to have kids that bring their kids to your backyard. <laughs> and compete. 
and grow and have that opportunity to play for the Green Mambas and have that same pride that you had with you and your wife when you guys had that jersey together. Um, I'm sure you're going to have a lot of tissues because you're going to be crying a lot, <laughs> but uh, you'd be uh, well earned. And I consider, even though I don't know you, you were referred to me. I consider interviewing you a great honor and I hope nothing but the best for you, your wife, the program and the grassroots level as a whole. Thanks, man. I appreciate you. <laughs> and the fact that your dad is still playing at what, 65? Yeah. Man, <laughs> he's giving me hope. <laughs> he's giving me hope. <laughs> and he's playing Saturday and I'm starting him. <laughs> Wait, what, what was that? He's playing on Saturday and I'm starting him. I hope he's ready. <laughs> uh, you better be ready, Pops. <laughs> yep. He got so, the kit today. He's, he's already tried it on. He's already the first one ready to go. <laughs> <laughs> I see passion runs deep in your family. Um, so before you wrap up, do you have any final shout outs you'd like to give? Uh, big shout out to Dodgeball SA. Thanks, Nick. Thanks, everybody who... Like, even this weekend's tournament, thanks for hosting that, getting that ready, man. I know it's a lot of work. Um, everybody in the South African team that plays, plays with so much pride, wants to win every single game. I know we want to win every game. Uh, my wife for standing by me, my parents for helping me, and then my club, my club, everybody who plays here, thanks for supporting me. And then, uh, yeah, just everybody out there who wants to play dodgeball, Man, try it. It's fun. It's, it's not insane. It's not crazy. <laughs> People won't kill you. <laughs> At the end of the day, it's it relaxes you, and it oh man, it's such a brilliant game to play. Definitely, for sure. All right, and that was my interview with Quentin. Quentin, thank you so much for hopping on and sharing with us your story. Um, I do believe you will be the genesis of the grassroots program. Um, just give it five or 10 years and we'll be talking about it. You know, say so you heard it here first. Um, unfortunately, I will not no longer be able to attend Euros. So I just found out um, last weekend. And um, as disappointed as I am and as heartbroken as I am, um, I will be following the event and I will be looking to do recaps um, for the event itself. Um, but on top of that, I'm working on, we'll just say a different way of growing the podcast and um, we'll just leave it at that. Uh, um, <laughs> sorry, I'm sure you can hear the disappointment in my voice. Uh, needless to say, I got screwed over at work and I guess we'll leave it at that. Um, stay tuned for my next episode with Isai uh, Valdez uh, recapping the squid event. Um, if you've listened up to this point, thank you so much. Have a wonderful day.